You're listening to This Week in Sports. Here's your host, The Pody. Hello and welcome, everybody. I'm your host, as always, The Pody. You are listening to This Week in Sports. I believe we are now on episode 109. Been doing this for quite some time. It is Friday, August 7th. 2020. And let's get right to it. We've got a lot on tap in the sports world. This is the greatest thing about sports. Now that we are back, we have all four major sports currently going on consecutively every day. There are sports. We have the PGA Championship, which I currently have streaming on ESPN Plus right next to me as I go through this episode. Um, So It's a big time in the world of golf, okay? I've been playing a lot of golf of late, okay? And I'm loving it. I'm loving the PGA Championship. I'm loving what I'm seeing from Tiger. And I just am super excited for the month of August and what it means for sports. And where we will start is with the NBA. We're going to start in the NBA for a couple of reasons. Uh, Number one, they seem to be going at a steady pace now. There's games every day. We're starting to see where teams lie and, and, you know, expose. We're starting to expose some of these other teams that maybe are, you know, sort of pretenders and not contenders. And we're going to start with the struggling Los Angeles Lakers. So last week I had bet on the Lakers up against the Clippers in their first game back. And that was a doubleheader on TNT special. And the Lakers ended up pulling out the two-point win, which thankfully won me my money and and all that good stuff, right? Well, ever since that game against the Clippers, they have struggled mightily. And they struggled some more. This one against the reigning champs in the Toronto Raptors, Anthony Davis and LeBron James combined for just eight points in the first half, which was their lowest scoring first half total as teammates, which is just, that is, if that's not glaring, I don't know what else is, but it would only get worse throughout the week. Kyle Lowry in this one, he was money, 33 points, including a whopping 14 in the fourth quarter, no less. That's just, that. that's how you ice a game. That's how you, you know, that's how you bury a team like the Los Angeles Lakers. They win this one, the Raptors do, 107 to 92 11 straight wins for the Raptors against the Los Angeles Lakers. I don't know what it is about the Raptors facing the Lakers, but they just come to play every time. Now, cause for concern, maybe, but here's what LeBron had to say on the team that he just faced in the Raptors. Well, I think it's a great team. I mean, they, they won the championship for a reason, um, you know, and, and it's it wasn't just all solely because of Kawhi. And obviously you see that, you know, the media may not talk about him much or give him much credit, but players in the league definitely know what type of team they are. Yeah. So you could tell he's disappointed that they lost, but no real concern at the moment for the Lakers. We'll get back to them in just a second. Next up, let's talk about another team in the bubble that has just gone off. And not namely the team, but one individual person on said team, and that would be T.J. Warren. He exploded earlier in the week for 53 points. He was 9 for 12 from beyond the arc. I am not exaggerating that. That's not, uh, I'm not misconstruing it. He was legit 9 out of 12 from deep. Just ridiculous. And here's what T.J. Warren himself had to say on the performance. Most uh, NBA fans, by the way, if you're, you know, just your average fan, you don't know who TJ Warren is, but he played at NC State, a little bit of a lesser known player behind Sabonis and behind uh, Victor Oladipo on this team. But in the bubble, he is, it's his time to shine, apparently. Here's TJ on the performance. 
It feels amazing, you know, the, uh, being off so long and be able to come back and um, start off with a win is big for us. Yeah, um, they start off with a win indeed, beating the Sixers, who were the favorites in this game. And I will have more on the Sixers later. Next up, the Clippers. They blow out the Pelicans. Nice bounce back for them after a tough loss to the Lakers, 126-103. to PG-13, that is Paul George, had eight threes a season high in that, in that one. Zion struggled mightily, career-low seven points to go along with three turnovers. Clippers made a franchise record in this game, 25 three-pointers. That's how you get it done. On Sunday, Bucks Rockets was must-see TV. The Rockets attempted a ridiculous, a record for regulation, 61 three-pointers in regulation. Oh, my God. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, I, we know what this team is capable of. They're always setting records for the amount of threes that they make and take in a game, but uh, just let that sink in for a second. 61 three-point attempts. Um, but this one was back and forth early. Houston led 62-54 at halftime. Giannis started to heat up in the third. He would finish with 38, 18 rebounds, and 8 assists. The Bucks took a 112-104 lead with about 3 minutes left. But the Rockets just would not go away. They come back, go on a excuse me, 9-0 run. They pull ahead 113 to 112, and they would hold on to win this one 120 to 116. After putting up 49 on Friday in an OT win, Harden scored just 24 in this one. It was all Russell Westbrook who led the way with 31. And here's Russ on such a big win against Eastern Conference's top team. It's amazing. We fought through it. Uh... You know, adversity showed up. <laughs> adversity showed up, and we, we showed out. And I'm so proud of all our guys. This locker room did an amazing job of uh, competing 48 minutes. The Portland Trailblazers taking on Boston Celtics in another marquee matchup. We'll fast forward this one to the fourth quarter. We've got a close one late. Jason Tatum would make a bucket underneath in the lane and then kick out to Jalen Brown, who hit a huge corner three, down 122-125. Damian Lillard finds Yusuf Nurkic for the easy lay-in at the rim. The Blazers would have to foul with three seconds left. Gordon Hayward made both threes. And then uh, just a head-scratcher, Yusuf Nurkic, just inbounded the ball from under the basket, and he just threw it out of bounds. I don't know who he was intending to hit with the ball, um, but he just throws it out of bounds, and the Celtics hold on in this one. Nice bounce-back game for Jason Tatum. Okay, finally, finally, Zion is let loose on Monday. I was complaining last week because they put him on a minutes restriction. This a team that is vying for that eighth and final playoff spot, and they're just, you know, holding back a little bit. They finally uh, let him press his foot down on the gas after combining for just 29 minutes through the team's first two games. He played 25 in this one. And what do you know? They won the game. He finished with 23 and seven boards in a 109 to 99 win. Here's Zion on that performance. And I feel alive again, man. Uh, my competitive spirit was there. And, you know, I'm glad coach and the whole team trusted me to, you know, finish the game out. You know, those two losses were bad, but, you know, they were both learning experience. So this win gives us a start. I look at this game and, you know, see the effort and energy we put into the whole game all four quarters and just continue to play like that. Next up, the Suns and the Clippers had themselves a really fun game to watch. Devin Booker, absolutely ridiculous. This kid is one of the best young stars in the game. He doesn't get too much clout or too much credit because he plays on a terrible team in the Phoenix Suns. But don't look now. The Phoenix Suns, 4-0 and in the bubble. I'll have a little bit more on that later. But Devin Booker with an absolutely ridiculously tough, tough game winner. Just the spin, the turnaround, the fadeaway over Kawhi, possibly the best defender in the game. It's his third career game winner, 35 points, eight assists. And here's what he had to say on that ridiculous performance. 
you know, coming into just the bubble overall, you know, we said we want to make some noise. We want to be the under under the radar team that just comes in and works hard and plays hard. You know, this is a fun team to be a part of, man. We're having fun with it. You know, we just we want to come down here and make some noise. There you have it. Devin Booker joins elite company with that game winner. It's the third time in his career that he scored 30 plus and hit a game winner, a game winning buzzer beater. The only players with more such games are Larry Bird, Kobe Bryant, and Michael Jordan, who each had four. So he's one away from tying them. Next up, the Blazers and the Rockets. Carmelo Anthony coming up big with the dagger three to ice it. Bubble Mello has come out and he has showed out and he's playing very good basketball and the Trailblazers are trying to make a run at that eighth and final uh, seed. He finished with this one, uh, 15 points, 11 rebounds. Damian Lillard almost had the triple-double with 21 points, nine rebounds, and eight assists. And like I said, between Phoenix, between uh, Portland, the the final spot, and the Grizzlies, it's heating up for that eighth seed for sure. We have some Mavs Kings. Luka Doncic Doncic is just a human highlight reel. Speaking of triple doubles, Damian Lillard maybe came up a little short, but Luka did not. He finished with 34 points, 20 rebounds, 12 assists, becoming the youngest player in NBA history with a 30-20 triple double. The Mavs win this one 114 to 110. Now to my favorite game of the week, one that I almost did not turn on was my Brooklyn Nets facing off against the Milwaukee Bucks, that number one seed in the Eastern Conference, the favorite to win it all right now. I almost didn't turn it on because you had, besides the fact that the Nets are a shell of themselves, no Kyrie, no, you know, no Durant, no uh, DeAndre Jordan, no uh, Spencer Dinwiddie, they're just a shell of themselves. Well, in this one, they rested Jared Allen, they decided to rest Karis LeVert as well, and so and Joe Harris didn't play in this game after uh, a bounce back win that they had after a tough loss against the Magic in the first bubble game where they got blown out. But they rest these guys. They actually have since been fined twenty five thousand dollars. I think probably for resting those guys and basically probably you know making up a fake injury or something. Um, but they rest all these guys. You have Jamal Crawford, forty years old, about to make his debut for the Brooklyn Nets in this game. And what do you know, a bunch of no-names, TLC, this guy, this French guy, uh, Cameroon, or, or however uh, you say his name, to, uh, it's just ridiculous to even try to pronounce it. But he had an amazing game himself, knocking down threes left and right. The Nets with the absolute stunner. 19-point underdog going into this one. And so I, I turn it on. I'm watching the first quarter. What do you know? The Nets are hanging in there. All of a sudden, the Nets have the lead after one. Then I'm like, all right, they're going to turn it on the second quarter. What do you know? The Nets still hanging in there, still have the lead. The Nets put up a ridiculous uh, amount of points on the Bucks, the number one defensive team, just taking it to them. Giannis looks slow. They don't look like they want to be out there. Second quarter, um, we had a little bit of a skirmish under the basket, but nothing really came of it. Giannis then got dunked on by Justin Anderson, not having a great game. Come out in the second half, I think the Nets had like, you know, an 11-point lead or something. Nothing too crazy, easily to overcome. You're the number one team in the East. Giannis and Middleton surprisingly sat the entire second half, which I thought was very odd. I mean, I, I noted that Giannis had a tough first half, but he scored like 14 in the first quarter, and he was having a, you know, he was doing well. Uh, no Brooke Lopez in this one. He did sat. Uh, he did sit for rest. But yeah, it just didn't look like the Bucks really wanted this one at all. Uh, again, very impressive. No Karis LeVert, no Jared Allen, no Joe Harris. It just proves to me that Sean Marks knows what he's doing to come out and get some of these fill-in type players. Um, real quick, Jamal Crawford, he did make his debut in this one, had a couple nice assists, hit his, excuse me, hit his first three, but then um, he was coming around to, to, to grab a handoff on a pick pick play and um he came up limping and it, it was ruled a hamstring injury so so he is out for the foreseeable future right now uh but yeah this was in fact the nets did go on they, there was a bit of a comeback mounted 
But uh, this kid, DJ Wilson, on the Bucks just kept chucking up threes and missing. He did finally make one in the corner, but he was a large reason why they weren't able to fully mount a comeback. Thank you, DJ Wilson, for just chucking up bricks. But the Nets, man, it, they just... They just came to play, and they dominated this game from start to finish, and it is the largest upset since April 4th, 1993, and the large, uh, the third largest in the last 30 seasons. Just unbelievable. Next up, the Lakers' struggles absolutely continue. LeBron and AD combined to shoot 30%, their lowest combined as teammates this against OKC, Chris Paul had a game-high 21 points, and the Thunder win this one in blowout fashion, 105-86. to I could be wrong, but I don't believe the Lakers ever led in this game. Since the restart, the Lakers are averaging 99.3 points per game. They are the only team in the bubble averaging less than 100 points. That, to me, is shocking. Absolutely shocking. The Sixers beat the Wizards 107 to 98, but a huge loss for them. Ben Simmons, he is out indefinitely with a partially dislocated kneecap. We know Patrick Mahomes dealt with a dislocated kneecap. He missed like three, two to three weeks, I think it was. So we'll see the um, diagnosis on Ben Simmons right now. He is ruled out indefinitely. Um, coincidentally enough, the with and without Ben Simmons on the court, they are slightly more efficient offensively by about one point per game uh, without Ben Simmons. Defensively, not so much, but we'll see how this team is able to perform with him off the court. Fast forward, LeBron sitting out yesterday's game against the Rockets, and things still did not get any better for the Lakers. This is now three straight losses after a win against the Clippers to start the bubble. The Lakers committed a season-high 25 turnovers. Harden had 39 points and 12 assists, and Russ didn't even play in this game. Rockets win 113-97. to The Lakers may have locked up the one seed, and they are just looking like they're on cruise control and waiting for the playoffs to start. But you've got you've to be a little bit concerned. Uh, where does Frank Vogel go from here, and what does he think moving forward with this team? I won't let them lose confidence. You know, we got good players. We, we, we trust our work. You know, there's a lot of moving parts with our team right now. The percentages come around. I've been doing this a long time. Uh, I've never seen them not come around. You know, so we're very confident in that, and, and our guys will, will remain confident. So there you have it. Not going to lose any confidence. We'll see come playoff time if this Lakers team is for real and if they can make a push for the title. Next up, the Bucks and Miami Heat yesterday. Miami had 21 threes in this one. Bucks found themselves down five in the third quarter, and that's when they started pushing. They end up mounting the comeback and winning this one 130 to uh, 116. The Bucks were down by as many as, I think, 23 points, and they come back and win by 14. They, secu they secure and lock up the number one seed in the East. And I think the, they just need one more Lakers loss or a win to uh, get that home court advantage um, in the finals, which really isn't a home court advantage. So I want to say it's something to do with their with their uniforms or, or something to that that degree that I that I, re I read that earlier today. Um, anyway, next up. You have the Blazers continuing to mount a push for that eighth and final seed. This is going to be really fun down the stretch. The Grizzlies, I don't think they're going to hold on. They have the eighth seed right now, but they lost their second leading score in Jaron Jackson Jr., and I, I just don't see it. If, if the Blazers are able to force um, that play in, if they're within those four games, which they are, then it should get very fun and very interesting. The Blazers take down the Nuggets last night, 125 to 115. Lillard went off for 45 points and 12 assists. Just ridiculous how good he can be. And then don't look now. The, the uh, Phoenix Suns, the hottest team in the NBA right now, they are looking to fight towards that eight seed as well. And if they have anything to say about it, they are going to be right there at the end. They took down the Pacers last night and now are an impressive 4-0 and inside the Orlando bubble. And that's going to do it, guys, for your NBA roundup. That gets you caught up on all things NBA. There are a, a bevy of games going on today and throughout the weekend as well.
will turn this thing over and talk some Major League Baseball. We know that the coronavirus outbreaks have been decimating the game. So far, 17 have been postponed as 17 games postponed as of Sunday. Another game just got postponed today. The Cubs and Cardinals. Cardinals are still dealing with a bit of an outbreak there. Um, despite all of this, Rob Manfred made it clear on Saturday he was he was confident the season can continue. There is no talks of canceling a season. He told ESPN's Carl Ravitch, quote, we are playing. The players need to be better, but I am not a quitter in general, and there is no reason to quit now. We have had to be fluid, but it is manageable. Okay, there you have Rob Manfred's take on things. The Yankees played the Red Sox. It feels like forever ago now, but just last weekend, Aaron Judge homered for the fourth straight game, something he has never done before. Uh, Gio Urshela blew it open in the second inning with a grand slam. The Yankees would go on to win this one 5-2 in Masahiro Tanaka's debut. Now for the for the uh, most intriguing story in baseball this last week. Ioannis Cespedes of the New York Mets went AWOL and just did not show up for Sunday afternoon's game in Atlanta. And the Mets put out a press release saying they can't locate him and even sent security to his ho hotel room because they were worried. Well, not only did they not find Cespedes inside that room, but it was completely empty. He had cleaned out the entire hotel room and just bounced. Okay, he packed his belongings and left without so much as a goodbye. Mid-game, we all learned that through his agent, Cespedes decided to opt out of the season. Here's first-year Mets manager Luis Rojas on what happened and what unfolded with Cespedes. It's tough times. You know, I'm, you know they, the way they've done it in other teams, you know, great for him to, to make this decision right now. And from our day, from our view, we went from a concerning pregame into, okay, finding out, you know, what happened and, and obviously supporting the decision like we do with any other guys. That is one of those co press conferences where you have to just bite your tongue and say all the right things because if you're Luis Rojas and if you're Brody Van Wagenen especially, you are absolutely pissed off. Especially Brody. Uh, mm, excuse me. Especially Brody because he was Cespedes's former agent and he's the one that got him this lucrative $85 million deal with the Mets that he robbed them of, stealing all that money, not having played in two years until he played a couple weeks here with the Mets. But my goodness, you're his former agent and he can't even call you and give you a heads up that he's quitting. And then cue the jokes because this being in Atlanta, we all know what's in Atlanta, Magic City Gentlemen's Club, where Lou Williams went to get those wings. So the jokes poured in. They're like, oh, he had to go try the wings. He's at Magic City. But in fact, no, he was seen in New York at the mall taking pictures with fans. Uh, just ridiculous. Cespedes is at a point in his life now where he likes to just play golf, apparently, more than he does play baseball. So I guess he's just going to um, retire into the sunset and go play golf every day because I don't know a team out there that's going to want to sign someone like this. Just It was totally bizarre and totally fitting for the New York Mets. Okay, back to Yankees-Red Sox yet again. Aaron Judd's homered in the first to make it five straight games with a home run. The Yanks would find themselves in a back-and-forth contest throughout much of the night. Xander Bogart's just a huge problem. There are just some guys on this Red Sox team that are Yankee killers, and Bogart's is one of them. He went four for four with two home runs and three RBIs. I think he had something like a ridiculous 11 total bases against them. The Yanks found themselves in a hole down seven to six in the eighth inning when Mike Talkman drew a walk, stole second base, and came around to score on a DJ LeMayhew single with two outs. DJ is just a machine. Judge then comes up to the bat and did what he and did what he just does best this year. Another mammoth home run, about 465 feet. It put the Yanks on top for good, and they get the sweep of the Sox. Um, just some quick news on the Yankees. Tommy Canley, I think it's his birthday today, actually, but he underwent successful Tommy John surgery. He is out for the year for them. 
Aaron Judge is the first player in Major League Baseball history with five go-ahead home runs in his team's first eight games of a season. His six home runs are tied for the most through eight games in Yankees history with A-Rod, who called the game on Sunday, actually, and he did he accomplished a feat in 2007. Garrett Cole, he made his Yankee Stadium debut, pitched to his usual effectiveness. He's not been lights out so far, and I'm sure he would tell you that, but he's by far the best pitcher on this Yankee staff, and it is showing. He is now 3-0 on the young season. DJ LeMahieu got things started in the first inning with his second home run of the year. Gio Urshela stayed hot. He hit another home run, a three-run blast, and Brett Gardner even got in on the action with an opposite field home run of his own as the Yankees downed the Phillies 6-2-3. This is the Phillies' first game in quite some time after you know the outbreak there with the Marlins, and they've been on uh, ice since. Okay, Mike Trout, he is back with the Angels after his wife gave birth to their first child. He missed four games but did not miss a beat. He homered in his first A-B as a father, everybody calling it that dad strength, and it has to be a cool feeling. The Angels get the win there. The A's got their second walk-off Grand Slam of the season. Just ridiculous. Back on July 24th, if you remember, Matt Olson became the first player in 34 seasons to hit a walk-off Grand Slam on opening day. On Tuesday against the Rangers, Stephen Piscotty hit the second A's walk-off Grand Slam of the young 2020 season. They are the first team since the 2018 Cubbies to hit two in a season. No team has hit three walk-off Grand Slams in a single season. Would be unbelievable in this shortened 60-game season if they could become the third team to do so. But we shall see. I guess that's going to do it for your baseball roundup. I'm trying to think of some other noteworthy uh, things to talk about. You had the Yankees dropping a tough, tightly contested game 5-4 to four, to the Phillies yesterday. Um, and I have to say I was not happy. Not only did I lose my bet here on this game, but there was some uh, POS, which if you know what that stands for, I'm not going to say it. Some group of people, I only saw a woman um, and her son, it looked like, but apparently there was a group of people outside the stadium gates that were blasting an air horn throughout the entire game yesterday. It was so annoying listening to this on TV. You had Aaron Boone come out early on in this game and argue with the umps about it because the timing of the air horn, he claimed, happened to be right before the pitch when his Yankee players were up at bat. Just um, not a not a great uh, game for the Yanks. They of course they they didn't have uh, no DJ in the lineup and no Judge resting. I I'm sick and tired of this BS where you have to rest guys that are tw- in their you know in their prime of their careers. Judge is in the middle of the prime of his career, mid twenties. Okay, he's what 25, 26 years old. DJ LeMahieu is in a day over what 30, 31 years old, whatever it is. You don't have to rest these guys, and then of course you bring them in in the late stages, and what do you know? They get second and third with two outs down 5-4, and Luke Voigt almost hits a three-run shot. I jumped out of my seat, but it went all the way to the warning track, and the Yankees lost the game. I saw a lot of people uh, bitching on social media about how Aaron Boone needs to just shut up about the air horn. But no, I was watching, and it was absolutely distracting. It was super annoying, and I just don't understand the point of it. And I'm sure the Philly players themselves were quite annoyed by it as well. So just... Totally uncalled for. And then also we had yesterday, uh, Christian Yelich, one of the best hitters in baseball, not having a great year thus far, slow start. He gets an inside the park home run. Uh, Very odd, but Aloy Jimenez played it horribly down the left field line. He misplays it. It bounces in fair territory, goes to the wall. He then falls over the net into the stands, and that's how uh, Yelich is able to score and get the... um, As I watch, I don't know who that was that just missed a putt that they're not too happy about. But anyway, PGA Championship trumps everything right now. But yeah, so uh, inside the park home run for Yelich, just totally misplayed by Aloy Jimenez there in left field. Okay, now let's get into some NHL. Now, I was so confused yesterday as I'm researching this last night, trying to figure out what the hell is going on in the NHL. I thought they started the playoffs 
but that is entirely not true at all. So I figured out what's going on. All right, so the NHL has finally started back up after 144 days, whatever. Um, there is six. There are 16 teams, I believe, or 20. Oh God, now now I'm confusing myself. I think there's like 22 teams that are vying for 16 spots in this qualifying round or something, right? No, 24 teams. Okay, there's 24 vying for these 16 spots. That sounds better. Now, then there's the top four seeds in each conference. So those teams are playing in a round robin entirely different from these other, these other teams that are actually playing to qualify for the playoffs. So that's what I didn't realize. So those top four teams in the round robin, they really don't matter, although they're trying to get the top seed. And all, all it matters is for seeding. The other teams are basically playing to advance to the playoffs, to be those 16 in the playoffs. So here's how it's shaking out. Blackhawks took game one over the Oilers 6-4. The Penguins and Canadians, this one goes to OT, and Montreal wins 3-2. Canadians giving uh, the Penguins all they can handle. Basically, these are 12 versus 5 matchups and higher. Um, the 12-seeded Canadians uh, scored three in a row to beat Sidney Crosby and company 4-3 and take a 2-1 series lead. I think it's first, it's best of five, these series. So first, the three games, the you have the Avalanche taking on the Blues. It should have went to OT, but Nazem Kadri beats the buzzer scoring. I've never seen a goal scored with 0.1 seconds left in regulation. Just ridiculous. That has just got to be such a heartbreaker. Uh, the Knights beat Dal the Dallas Stars 5-3. to three. See, this is part of that round robin because the Vegas Knights are one of the top four seeds, and I assume so is Dallas. Vegas came back with four goals in the third period to get it done. You have the Hurricanes, Carolina. They win this series. Uh, they win game 3-4-1, sweeping the series. So now the Rangers are out, and they go on to what is now phase two. They have a chance to win uh, the to get the number one pick in the NHL draft. I don't quite get all of it, but that's that's what it is. Okay, the Oilers beat the Blackhawks six to three. Connor McDavid with the hat trick, and this series is now tied one one. Game three was a tightly contested one, but the Blackhawks held on against Edmonton four to three to take a two one series lead. That one's heating up there. You have the Columbus Blue Jackets and Toronto Maple Leafs. Unreal, Columbus found themselves down 3-0 in this game, but was able to force overtime Pierre-Luc Dubois already with two goals in this one, and he would complete the hat-trick in OT to give the Blue Jackets the 2-1 series lead. Okay, Tampa Bay Lightning sitting atop the round robin with two wins after beating Boston 3-2 on Wednesday. I don't have the updated standings as of last night, unfortunately, but you had as of yesterday afternoon, Tampa Bay Lightning at the top of the Eastern Conference with two wins. You have the Flyers 1-0, Washington Capitals um, with one point there sitting in third, and then you had Boston who's 0-2 with zero points. And then in the Western Conference, same thing. I don't have anything updated as of yesterday. Um, but as of the afternoon yesterday, before any games last night, you have the Colorado Avalanche with four points. They're 2-0 and sitting atop the West. You have Vegas uh, with two points, St. Louis in third, and Dallas 0-2. They are in last. So that's going to do it for your NHL updates. Um, yeah, a little bit confusing there. I'm not a huge hockey guy, but it's, things seem to be rounding into form in the NHL. Okay, let's talk Chelsea Arsenal FA Cup final. Seems like uh, a year ago, but it was just last Saturday. Christian Pulisic scores in the fifth minute to give Chelsea the one nothing lead, representing US of A, baby. He is the first American to score in an FA Cup final. Unfortunately, Pulisic would leave the game with a hamstring injury, and no coincidence, but Arsenal mounts a comeback, and they get the win 2-1 to one with two back-breaking goals unanswered by Chelsea and Arsenal wins the FA Cup. Next up, let's talk PGA Championship. Finally, Tiger switched out his Scotty Cameron. This was the big news headed into yesterday's round. Tiger switching out his Scotty Cameron Newport 2 that helped him win 14 of his 15 majors. He did so at the start of yesterday's round. So he's now using a newer Newport that is a bit longer because according to Tiger himself, it's better for his back. He said he used to putt for about four to five hours a day, but with his fused back, 
Bending over in excess of four to five hours is impossible. So the added length on the new putter gives him the ability to practice longer because he does not have to bend as far down with his back. It has seemed to help Woods had a very strong start to his uh, round yesterday. He birdied two of the first four holes and had just three bogeys on the day. He sits currently at two under par and looks to stay in the hunt. He was going uh, facing off with Justin Thomas, the world number one and Rory McIlroy, and he outplayed both of them. So right now, your updated standings, you had... um, Actually, before I get to that, quick thing on Tiger real quick. He was seen wearing this mask all day yesterday. So when he arrived, he had this mask, one of those gator masks, um, and it was a blacked-out American flag. So immediately, people are buzzing on social media. They're saying, oh, he's a pro-Trump guy, MAGA, and, and, and that's a thin blue line support, supported mask, and, you know, uh, MAGA country, all this stuff. Like, whole, just relax. You can't even wear an American flag mask now without being ridiculed. This is like James Harden all over again, although this wasn't specifically a thin blue line mask. And I can tell you definitively, because guess what, guys? I own the exact mask that Tiger Woods wore all day yesterday. He actually had it around his neck. It was a bit cooler out on the course um, yesterday. He had a sweater on and he kept the mask around his neck for the entire round. I have this mask. I bought it on Instagram. It was a buy one, get four free uh, Instagram advertisement that I saw. We know it, it's from a fishing company called SA Fishing Company. I just happened to see the ad on Instagram and I was like, hey, this is a pretty good deal. 20 bucks, $5 shipping. Let me grab it. They are based out of Florida. They even came out and said, holy crap, that's Tiger Woods wearing our product. We have been out with these things, not just since the pandemic, but actually for about five years because they are a fishing company. Tiger Woods is apparently an avid fisherman, and it looks like Tiger, maybe because they're based in Florida, and I don't know the connection, but Tiger, it looks like, went out and bought these himself because they have the company even announced there is no deal or sponsorship with Tiger Woods. So I just thought that was hilarious and awesome that I have the same mask as Tiger Woods. I have actually yet to wear it. I've been rocking the uh, full colored American flag one from this company that I have. And it's like a bandana material. It's real stretchy. The one thing I, I, I don't really like about it, I will say, is that it's a little bit itchy on my beard. But if I didn't have the beard, it would be amazing. And it's perfect for the golf course. If you just throw this thing around your neck on a cooler day, maybe, you know, the sun's out there beating down on your, on your face and your neck and you don't want to get too much sunburn, it's good for that as well. You can wet it, wring it out, throw it around your neck. Really good stuff. I like the material. Like I said, it's stretchy. I'm not sponsoring this product or anything like that. I'm not being paid, but it's just hilarious that I found this company on an Instagram ad. And what do you know? I see Tiger Woods is wearing the same exact one. So that's cool. But back to the golf itself, your current leader after round two is this guy, Lee Hao Tong. He is the leader at um, eight under, as far as I know right now. Uh, he just finished his round at eight under. Let me go back and see the standings here. Excuse me. Okay, yep, he is eight under. He shot a 65 today. Tommy Fleetwood has jumped 46 spots today. He is six under on the day. That right now is the low, that is the low round of the day. Actually, him and uh, this guy, Champ, also, excuse me, also were both six under shooting a 64. That seems to be the low round right now. Brendan Todd right there at five under. He's even on the last hole. Paul Casey has jumped up there. Jason Day, he's getting ready to tee off in just a few moments. Okay, uh, Tony Finau is on the first hole, one under right now. Uh, but basically, Tiger Woods sitting at two under. He's still in this, just six strokes back off the lead. The current projected cut line is right at even par, which Phil Mickelson came in at even par today. He just finished his round um, one interesting story, quick note, hilarious that I saw yesterday would be the uh, the furthest hitting player on tour right now, Bryson DeChambeau. We all know the physical transformation he's undergone. Hits his tee shot. I want to say it was the fourth hole yesterday. Step, uh, you know, bends down to pick up his tee, and I guess he lightly stepped on his driver head. And when he lifted the club, what do you know? The head of the club broke off and was sitting on the ground. 
So luckily for him, they did allow him to replace his club. If you, you if you do break the club on purpose in frustration or anything like that, like a baseball player breaking their bat over their knee, you are not allowed to replace it, but they did let him replace the club. He is in the mix right now. I just saw his name. Um, I think he's hovering right around, yeah, two under. Uh, he shot a, a even par today. So I'm excited. Can't wait for Tiger. He's teeing off in about a 45 minutes or so. So that should be fun. Okay, some um, other news headlines I want to get to. Some big news out of women's college basketball. Texas Tech women's basketball coach Marlene Stallings has been fired. Uh, I think she was fired this morning or late, or yesterday. She had been under scrutiny following a mass exodus of players who accused her of verbal abuse and creating a toxic atmosphere. 12 of the 21 women who played for Texas Tech since Stallings took over the program in 2018 have left. So that's just two years. Already 12 of them have left. So the big dagger was Wednesday when a USA Today report came out. That was really the straw that broke the camel's back because originally the athletic director had her back, but then after speaking with players, that was the end of that, and she got the can. Um, they were uh, USA Today was able to obtain exit interviews that players had with the school. In those interviews, players said they had felt ridiculed and isolated under Stallings and accused former strength coach of Ralph, uh, excuse me, strength coach Ralph Petrella of berating and sexually harassing the players. Seven of the 12 players that left had been recruited by Stallings herself. Just unbelievable. Now, I'm not going to sit here and, and, and pretend to know what, what happened in this situation. Okay, there was a similar uh, case in at Rutgers University years ago when I was a student there with head coach Mike Rice berating players, throwing balls at them, just absolutely uncalled for. But I just want to make one point clear. The players in today's day and age are soft in this, and it's not their own fault. It's the way that they're brought up, and it's not everyone, but it is a lot of them, and it sucks because you can't get away with anything anymore. Um, I helped my dad coach women's softball at a local community college, and you have to be extremely careful, especially around women as a man, what you say how you act, the things that you used to you used to be able to curse out players and 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 you know just kick the kick their ass into another gear, right? And it's not it was never about doing it to make them feel bad about themselves, but it's just a level of motivation how you, you know, if a player is doing bad or having a bad day at practice or in a game, you're going to you know, you're going to motivate them. You're going to yell at them. You're going to either, you know, make them run maybe or give them some sort of punishment. Or maybe if you're really pissed at them and they're really showing a lack of effort, you might, um, you might bench them. Well, nowadays you can't do any of that stuff and you have to be so, 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 so careful. So this coach, uh, Marlene Stallings probably comes, you know, from a hardened background, when she used to play, things were a lot different. You could act a certain way, and that's all that she knows. And it's part of how we have to um, just things are different in this, in this day and age, and you just have to be extremely careful. So, yes, that is big news coming out of women's college basketball. Texas Tech has fired their head coach, Marlene Stallings, after this USA Today report. Next up on Monday, out of seemingly out of nowhere, Dwayne The Rock Johnson, yes, that that rock, the WWE superstar, the uh, Hollywood superstar that has, you know, his name has floated, been floated out there as possibly running for president of the United States. He, along with a group of investors, agreed to buy the XFL for approximately $15 million. It's an absolute steal. I believe he only put up $7.5 million or so. Joining Johnson in the purchase are his business partner and ex-wife, Danny Garcia, as well as Redbird Capital Partners, led by Jerry Cardinal. The partners have split the acquisition evenly. So the 2020 XFL season got through five weeks of play before it was curtailed by the COVID-19 pandemic. They were doing very well with viewership. They were averaging about three mil per. Um, advertising wasn't really great. I would have liked this, you know, to be notified or to you know, to have an idea of when these games were playing, but I did check them out here and there and I didn't watch as much as I wanted to, but it, it was better than the AFL. 
Um, but then on April 13th, the league filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. And ever since then, it has been searching for a buyer. They had planned an auction for just hours before this deal was announced on Monday. So coming right in at the witching hour for $15 million is The Rock. It's still unclear of what uh, you know whether or not the, what the plans are for this league, if he's going to revive it. I know The Rock is an avid football fan. Of course, he played at the University of Miami and tried to make it professionally in the game before switching his career path over to the, you know, the wrestling world. And, you know, the rest is history. But so we'll see what his plans are for the league. But very interesting. Then finally, Tom Brady celebrated his 43rd birthday on Monday. It's his first as a member of the Bucks after, of course, spending 20 years with the New England Patriots. I think Tom is getting a bit older, however, because over uh, on Sunday, I think it was, he posted a photo on his IG story and the image showed him using an iPhone 6 Plus, which guys, that is six years old, that iPhone. Brady has made what? Well over $225 million in his career, but he did get the hint because by Monday he tweeted thanking um, everybody for the birthday wishes, and then said, I might treat myself to a new iPhone this year. So uh, that I thought was pretty funny. Brady's a cool character. He is, uh, you know, he's never one to not get in on the fun and make fun of himself. So that's always cool to see when athletes can, you know, get in on the action. Make, making fun of yourself is really goes a long way to kind of Make yourself feel normal in the eyes of the public and garner some, some, some new fans and whatnot. And now finally, on this date in sports, 29 years ago today, Michael Nelson Trout was born the best player in the world, still isn't even 30 years old. Let that sink in a second. He's been absolutely on fire too, just raking ever since he came back. I told you he hit a home run in his first game back, but he has just been on a whole nother tear. I believe he hit uh, two more home runs last night, um, you know, ever since his son was born, just going off. Okay, so two nights ago, he hit two home runs. He went just one for five yesterday, but we'll see what he can do tonight against Texas at 6.05. Um, you know, had his son last week. What I didn't even realize about this is his son was born last week, Beckham Aaron Trout. Not the name I would have chosen, but Beckham Aaron Trout, a.k.a. Bat. That is no coincidence. Let me tell you that. You have Mookie Betts, who his name is Mookie. I forget what the, the, the middle, his middle name is, but it's MLB. So no coincidence there that the best baseball player in the world would name his son Bat Beckham Aaron Trout. So we'll see. He's probably going to be an unbelievable baseball player himself. And of course, as a as a you know born and raised, living in New Jersey, a New Jerseyan myself, I can forever say that we have Mike Trout, who might go down as the best baseball player of all time. Um, I believe today is Tommy Canley's birthday, as well as Sidney Crosby who's playing there in the NHL right now in that bubble. And then bonus on this date in sports, somebody who holds the record for the most home runs in Major League Baseball history. Listen, Mike Trout, if he stays healthy and plays till he's about 40, the way these balls are flying out of the park, he could make a run at the all-time home run record himself. But for now, I give you August 7th, 2007, when Barry Bonds becomes the all-time home run king, he would finish his career with 762 home runs. It is still a record today. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, enjoy this little video montage of Barry Bonds. Granted, he did all of this juiced up, but still, nonetheless, it's the, the, you know, the record. There is an asterisk there, and he probably will never make the Hall of Fame. But have a nice weekend, guys. I came in at just under 50 minutes. I'm impressed with myself today. I, I had a lot of notes, thought it would go a lot longer. Probably talked a little faster than I wanted, but I've got Tiger. I bet him to make the cut. I bet on the Yankees tonight against uh, in Tampa Bay. Blake Snell coming out saying that, uh, you know, every time they play the Yankees, you know, they celebrate a little harder when they beat that team. Well, you're about to get 
shelled tonight. You you haven't made it through th- uh, four. You haven't made it four innings in your first two starts this year. Absolutely joked this guy. Talked about a couple months ago how oh he's scared of COVID and he's not going to play and about and now he's out here playing. So uh, Blake Snell, who was on my fantasy team two years ago when he won the Cy Young, I had a chance to draft him, but I'm sick and tired of that punk. And I'm done with him. So I hope the Yankees absolutely shell them tonight. I got money on them. I got money on Tiger to make the cut. Projected cut being at even par. So he just can't uh, do worse than three over today. I don't think he will. I actually expect Tiger to go out and shoot at least another two under par. And at least try to get somewhere within that you know four to five range of the leader. So with that being said, guys, uh, I'll talk to you next week. This has been episode 109 of This Week in Sports. See you next week. Bonds one home run away from history. 755 home runs tied with Hank Aaron for the most all time. This is the hardest thing I've ever gone through in my entire career. It's a little bit different than any other milestone. It's Hank Aaron. I can't explain the feeling of it. It's just Hank Aaron. Barry Bonds and Hank Aaron side by side. Bonds back home here at AT&T. Bassett's 3-2 again. Bonds hit from high. Hits it deep. It is out of here. Home run number 756. The road to history for Barry Bonds is over. He is on top of the all-time home run list. Seven, 2007 in San Francisco, California. Barry Lamar Bonds has hit more home runs than any major leaguer in the history of baseball. I got to thank all of you, all the fans here in San Francisco. Road and home, it's been fantastic. My dad. Thank you. Feet close together, crowding the play, deep in the batter's box. Here it comes. Fastball swung on and driven into deep left center. Back goes Holiday at the warning track at the wall. It's gone. A home run. Number 762, lifetime.